the prayer request and prayers tonight. If you have your Bibles, please turn again to Psalm 76, and we're going to finish our study on Psalm 76, and going to encourage you to start reading Psalm 77 and memorizing there and meditating. But tonight, we'll finish this Psalm of God's Fear. The title of our thoughts tonight is The Wrath of Man and the Glory of God. It's going to take a lot of faith to be able to believe the things that the Scripture proposes tonight about uh, the relationship between these two diametrically opposed um, things, the wrath of man and the glory of God, you would think that there's no way that those things could be um, in unison uh, together. They're diametrically, would seem diametrically opposed. But by faith, we're able uh, to see and believe what the Word of God says about that, and we can draw a lot of strength and a lot of hope from that. So let's read Psalm 76 together, and for our study tonight, we'll read verse 10 out loud together. In Judah is God known, His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is His tabernacle and His dwelling place in Zion. There break He the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword and the battle, Silah. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled. They have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into a dead sleep. Thou, even thou, art to be feared. And who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. Salah together. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes he is terrible to the kings of the earth. In some of my private readings, uh, this I like to read uh, for pleasure. I'm reading a history of the country and the nation of England. Of course, so much of that surrounds uh, their uh, royalty, their kings and, and their queens. And it's just amazing to see, you know, king after king, uh, he comes to the throne. He has all these great ideas, all these great plans. And some of them uh, come to pass, and, and some, of them, some of them don't. But especially those who thought that they could, um, you know, just get away with doing completely wicked things and just thought that they could just sweep it on, under the rug or that they had gotten away with it, it never failed, you know, that it always turned around and uh, uh, have terrible consequences uh, for their reign. A lot of times it would end up where, 
their line, their lineage, their kingly lineage would end and another would uh, come to the throne. And so I was just thinking about that as, as uh, we read that last verse, he shall cut off the spirit of princes and he is terrible to the kings of the earth. Surely heavy is the head that wears the crown. But here he says that the wrath of man shall praise thee. Isn't that an amazing thought? Now we know the joy of man uh, will praise the Lord. But God said that he's so sovereign, that he has so ordered all things uh, in his glory, that even the wrath of man is going to praise him. And then the remainder of it that doesn't uh, praise him if it doesn't, he says, I'm just going to cut it off. I'm just going to restrain it if it doesn't. So we, God's people, should really rejoice in God's uh, power over that. So just a couple of quotes for us to think about tonight. Uh, fools give full vent to their rage. This is wrath. What wrath is is uncontrolled anger. It's uh, uh, with anger with a malicious intent. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. One thing that I just want us to, to encourage us all tonight is to try to avoid wrath in our lives, to being a wrathful person, to being a scornful person, to be a person that is, is quick uh, to anger, uh, even the Bible says, you know, with an angry person, you know, don't seek to be a friend with that uh, person. To refrain from anger and to turn from wrath, do not fret, for it leads only to evil. Now, the Bible, there is righteous anger. The Bible says be angry and sin not. But it's something for us to be very, very, very careful about. Even the Bible would tell us to not let the sun go down on our what? On our wrath. Um, I tell you, that, that, is, that is a great commandment from the Scriptures. If ever in your life you have a situation where you've just gotten so mad or so angry, try to resolve that uh, before you lay down your head to sleep at night, and it'll be a blessing to you. The first thing that we want to see tonight is that the wrath of man is subservient. The wrath of man is subservient to God's glory. I was really thinking about Pharaoh when I wrote this down. If you'll turn with me to the book of Exodus. You know, he was so wrathful, wasn't he? Uh, at every turn, he was trying to thwart God at every turn, he was trying to make things worse for Moses and Aaron and for the people of God. And, and he had a lot of power, and he had a lot of anger, and he had a lot of wrath. But in the end of that wrath was the glory of God, wasn't it? He did exactly what God had determined that he would do. And so just think about this. You know, this comforts me. We... We've got some real pieces of work, and that's being nice about it, running our country right now. I mean, I just, I just can't believe some of the things that they do 
and say it's it's just so terrible but isn't it wonderful to know that they're not beyond the realm of the control and the sovereignty of God and and some of the things that are being said and done that God is either going to use that for his praise or he's going to restrain it I rejoice in that when we had the Bible study up at Brother Noah's house for the college-age children, uh, Sister Haley and Brother Drew, you remember me reading that article uh, there in Texas at, at one of the colleges at North Texas. Just some Christians were meeting to have a, a prayer vigil uh, to support the Hyde, not the Hyde Amendment, but it was the, it's the heartbeat, the heartbeat bill in, in uh, Texas about that if a baby has a heartbeat, you shouldn't, you know, take its life. You shouldn't have an abortion. Well, this group of Antifa uh, people, they came and they used megaphones and they uh, uh, shouted them down, were shouting obscenities. And, and at, at, one, at one point, as it, as it got real confrontational, the Christians, they were chanting, Christ is our king. Christ is our king. And I can't repeat in church the chant that Antifa did. Your king is basically what they said, and, and you can. But there's no fear of God there. Just, just wrath, just malice, just anger at people wanting to pray that babies' lives would be saved. I mean, and that's a conservative place like Texas. So, aren't you glad, though, here we have this this person that was so obstinate to the glory of God, to the will of God, so full of wrath. But listen to what the Bible says, Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. And in very deed, for this cause have I raised thee up. This is what God has told Moses to tell Pharaoh. For this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Can you say hallelujah to that, that even God could raise up and even harden the heart of a man like Pharaoh? And he said, I did it, that my name might be glorified in all the earth. Oh, aren't you glad tonight that the wrath of man is subservient to God's glory? Man, with his breath of threatening, is but blowing the trumpet, of the Lord's eternal flame. Y'all know who that's from. That's from Spurgeon. Only he could uh, weave words together like that. Listen to that again. You just, just think about man being so mad, so wrathful. Even those people yelling at those young Christians in Texas. With man, man with his breath of threatening is but blowing the trumpet of the Lord's eternal flame. Flame. I think about that about Jesus before Pilate. Y'all remember when Jesus was before Pilate. And, and Pilate was so taken aback, you know, that Jesus was not impressed with Pilate and with Pilate's power. And so finally Pilate just comes out and says to him, you know, uh, don't you think, you know, you need to pay attention, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, to what I'm saying and don't you know who I am? You know, I'm kind of a big deal. He says that uh, I, can, I can either grant your life or I can either take your life away, right? My, my wrath, the wrath of man, Jesus. You should, you should 
you know, pay attention to that. And do y'all remember what our Lord said to him? He said, you can't do one thing, not one thing, except the, my Father in heaven allows it. He told him exactly what it was, that your wrath is subservient to God's glory. And so that's what we need to always remember in our lives. There's two things that God has woven through his eternal decrees and the providences of time. There are two things that are so wonderful. And the greatest overarching principle, uh, God's glory is the overarching purpose of all things. And sometimes that's very mysterious, isn't it, Brother Andy? You know, we, we will ask these theological questions. God, why would you allow Satan to rebel against you in heaven? Why would you allow Adam and Eve to be deceived in the garden and to bring sin into the world if you hate sin? If you hate rebellion, you know, why did you allow these things? And really, truthfully, the only biblical answer that there really is is that he did it for his own glory. And all mouths have to be stopped. And we have to say, even so, Lord, for it seemed good in your sight, your God. But even though that he allowed that, he knew and, and, and could see it all the way through that it would all render glory and praise unto his matchless and holy name. And so it has, and so it shall. But the other great principle that runs through that underneath and with the glory of God is the good of his people. Doesn't that make you rejoice too? That, that those are the overarching purpose of all things. Even against the backdrop of evil, is displayed the brilliance of God's good. And that's what he has done. That's part of why he has allowed evil and the darkness of evil and the darkness of sin. It's the backdrop against which he displays his glory and his goodness. And so you say, well, Lord, why do you, you know, let the heathen rage and the people do uh, vain things? But the Bible says the Lord shall laugh at that. He'll have them in derision. I don't know what y'all pray every uh, day now when you bow on your knees and you pray for America. My prayer kind of goes like this. Lord, restrain the wicked. Lord, bring their plans to naught. Uh, have them in derision. Use your power uh, to help right uh, prevail. Restrain their very wrath, Lord, and make it to praise your name and work it for our good. Oh, hallelujah, we can really pray that in faith, knowing that that is part of uh, God's wonderful uh, purposes in providence and in our lives and in our world. So I hope that you rejoice in that tonight, that the wrath of man is subservient to God's glory. Now, secondly, this is we can kind of see that, that God makes that to serve his, his purposes and, and render glory to his name. But even goes deeper than that. This is a little bit deeper here. Secondly, the wrath of man is fashioned for God's glory. It's kind of like uh, man and his wrath and the devil and his malice and his anger. It like heats up the metal and then God takes it from him and says, Thanks, boys. Let me make this into what I want it to be. Isn't that awesome? 
Because he's the potter, isn't he? He has the power over the clay. He is sovereign over all. And the wrath of man, God takes it and even fashions it for his glory. And we think about this, especially in Genesis 50 and 20. And we love this story and the way that it's written. It's some of the last verses of the whole book of Genesis. You know how terrible that Joseph had to experience the wrath of man in his life. The wrath of his brothers. The wrath of Potiphar, right? The wrath of people that watched over him in the prison. But then at the end, we read, and just turn there. I I know you all know it so good, but when you think things are just going so bad in your life and you just see it looks like evil people are being able to say things and do things and get away with things. Know that the wrath of man is going to be fashioned to fit the purposes of God's glory. And so Joseph's brothers, they got so worried after Jacob died. You know, oh, the guilty conscience, right? The guilty conscience. Uh, I was telling... Uh, Rebecca and Sydney, Robert about a little boy that got in trouble on my bus and I told him yesterday when he got off I said I'll see you in the principal's office tomorrow because you know you're bad and you said bad things and you did bad things and uh, so I'm, I went down to the elementary principal's office and I was sitting in there I told the principal what happened he said well he said <laughs> he said let's call him down here and scare him a little bit <laughs> I said alright so uh Oh, man, he, he walks in whistling, and then when he saw me, oh, his head, he just hung his head because he knew. He he sat down in that big chair, and uh, Mr. Anderson, the principal, he said, Drake, you know why you're in here, don't you? And, oh, man, he, he just shook his head. He said, yes, sir, because he, he knew the bad things, you know, that, that he had done in the conscience. You know, we don't we don't realize sometimes that, God is is God is not just able to make us through the Holy Spirit feel sorrow for sin. He is able to go even into the wicked and bring terror uh, into their hearts for the wrong and the evil that they do against others and against against His name. So they said they said we got to go to Joseph, you know, because Daddy's died and man, he's just gonna he's gonna take his vengeance on us. But listen to what Joseph said, and you all know this, but I think it it shows us exactly what we've said, that the wrath of man is fashioned for God's glory. And Joseph said unto them, verse 19, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. I want you to highlight or underline that word meant there. Do you see it? Do you see where it says God meant? That's exactly the word that, I, that I've chosen. It means fashion. It, it actually means, it actually in the deepest etymology of that word in the Hebrew, it means to weave together. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, hallelujah to God that we love and serve so 
the devil blows the fire and melts the iron, and then the Lord fashions it for his own purposes. Can you say that? Can you say hallelujah to that? Tonight, we even think about in the Old Testament again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There they are in the very fiery furnace, right? But God uses it. He fashions it for his own purposes to show he could save his children, even in the midst of fire. You know, I don't know if you kind of remember that story, but, but did you know that the men that even threw them in the fire perished and burned up, and yet they came out, and it said that their clothes didn't even smell like smoke, and the only thing that they lost in the fire, rejoice in this in the trials of your life, when you go through them, the only thing they lost were the things that had bound them. And they had lost those. Those had been consumed. And God was, was with them in the midst of it. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, we think about Cain's hatred, uh, his wrath against Abel, and, and even his killing of Abel. Did God, did God um, like that? Did God approve of that? No. God judged that wrath, didn't he? He marked Cain and sent him away, but it was through that that Seth comes into the world and begins uh, the lineage of, of uh, Christ that would, would come after, of course, Adam. And so we, we think about Saul's uh, rebellion uh, against the Lord, uh, pays the way for God's purposes for David to become king. We think about Haman's uh, malice against the Jews, uh, our turns for the salvation of the Jews in their life. We think about Judas's kiss against uh, the Lord. How that, that uh, Peter said to the men of his day, you have taken with wicked hands and crucified the Lord, but it was before determined by God that you should do it. So, mm, hallelujah. The most rampant evil is under the control of the Lord and will in the end be overruled for his praise. I tell you, beloved, it takes a lot of faith to believe that. And only faith can believe that because sight will tell you different. Now, thirdly, the wrath of man is also used to excite God's glory. And, and what I mean by that, it's, it, the wrath of man is often used to excite God's glory in our own lives and in our own hearts or, or to manifest the glory of God over the wrath of man. I, I love this in Romans 11. Turn here. This is just kind of like we enter into the thought life of the Apostle Paul here. And some things that were very deep and dear and near uh, to his, his heart because his heart was really burdened. Even though that he knew that the Jews had judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. And he said, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Yet he still had a great heart and hope for the natural seed of Abraham. And, and, uh, and, and so we see in here some of the purposes, some of the mysterious purposes of God in this conversation that he has about, okay, 
uh, Israel was cut off and the Gentiles were grafted in. But Paul says, I believe that God is going to use that to make them envious. That now the Gentiles have the blessings of God. And he says, I'm praying and hoping that God's going to use that to bring the Jews back to the Lord again. And that's what all is, is going on in there. It's, it's just amazing. Let's, let's, let's look at some of it um, here. It's, it's amazing. Um, oh, let's, let's go back to verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. Now listen to this. But rather, through their fall, okay, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Isn't that amazing? How the apostle Paul sees woven through the providence of God these terrible things that are happening but that he sees that God can still bring good and glory out of it for his people. I just rejoice in that. And so at the very end of this chapter, look at what he says. And this is what we must believe and hope tonight, in our day, in our time, in our lives, and for those who come after us, for of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. There it is. Beloved, the overarching principle, Paul says. See, persecutions which often come from the wrath of man, they tend to correct the failings of good men and to exercise and illustrate their several graces and virtue. We see that in the life of the sweet psalmist of Israel. How David said it was good that the Lord afflicted me, but because before he afflicted me, I went astray. All those things that, that David went through, God used in his life to write the Psalms, which we've all gleaned great good from over these past few years, even studying in all of our lives and all the lives of the children of God that have read them, they never would have been written unless God used the wrath of men against David and brought that out of David through the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Hmm. Even the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder shalt thou restrain. When we have, when we have spoiled a business, when we have made a mess of things uh, in, in our lives, aren't you glad that he can dispose it for good and making advantage of those things which seem to obscure the glory of his name. Think about a life like Samson, right? Samson, a man of unlimited potential, a Nazarite of great strength, of miraculous birth. But he, he has these weaknesses. He has these flaws. You know, it's like Samson can't get out of his own way, right? And so... At the end, it looks like the wrath of man has won. Here's the great champion of God. Here's the great champion of Israel. He has his eyes plucked out of him, and they have him chained to two pillars as they celebrate a feast to their God over the God of Israel. And yet, his hair had begun to grow again, hadn't it? And Samson bowed underneath those two pillars, and he prayed, Lord, 
give me that strength. Give me your strength one more time. And he pushes. And it says that he took more of the enemy in his death than in his life. Man proposes, right? But God what? God disposes. Hallelujah. Think about Job's suffering. How awful that it looks as we look at it by sight. It looks so unfair. It looks so um, ravaging upon him. Even Job said in Job, he said, I'm a man that hath seen God's wrath. That's what he said. I'm sure it felt that way. But then we see in the story as God mints, as God fashions, as God weaves, that all of that God is using Satan's malice, his friends, envy, uh, all that to bring out and excite the glory of God over all and in all and in Job's life. And it says that the, that the end of Job was what? Was greater than the beginning. Mm, hallelujah. That gives me hope tonight. Per, we think about the persecution of the church in the first four centuries and how they said that the blood of the martyrs, right, was the seed of the church. Even in natural history, we think about our own country. It was the wrath of, of the uh, monarchy. Uh, some of the people uh, that I'm reading about uh, in the English history book right now, I'm fixing to get, uh, I'm in the Tudor line, uh, which first, you know, um, one of the first good ones was Elizabeth, but then her descendants going to end up being James, and it's through his wrath and his anger that is going to unite the colonies together to begin the American Revolution. And that's why we have our country today. Fourthly and lastly, oh, and this, this is what really hits in in our verse. The wrath of man is restrained by God's glory. The wrath of man is restrained by God's glory. So when we look back in our text, in our text 76 and verse 10, surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. Restrain in the Hebrew is expressed in this one word, which imports the grinding or binding of it on every side, that it, it shall by no means break out, but shall be kept in as a dog on a chain, as a lion in his den. Well, we know that that's literally true, don't we? Because the wrath of men through Daniel, as my father says, not in a line of dens, but in a den of lions, Daddy made sure to correct me on that one time that the Bible does not say lion's den. It says den of lions. I was like, you're right, Dad. It does say den of lions and not lion's den. Y'all have to know my dad. Anybody know my dad can chuckle a little bit there. But the point is, Daniel literally was in a lion's den, but did they eat him, Zayden? No, sir, they did not because God shut the mouth of the lions. Wow. 
while he restrained them, didn't he? He restrained the wrath of man. And it is amazing. The very men that threw Daniel in the lion's den, them, and I believe it was them and their families, were cast and were eaten and torn asunder by the lions in the den of the lions. <laughs> and so God, God uses and, and, and the wrath of man. He's, he fashioneth it. He, he excites it. He, 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 but then whatever isn't for his uh, purposes or for his praise, he says, I extinguish it. I'll just extinguish their wrath. Whatever wrath does not praise God, he merely extinguishes it. And why does he do so? Because the scripture tells us that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? Is that not amazing to you? We've just said that the wrath of man will praise him. Did we say that? But the scriptures also says the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And so whatever what that what we must take that to mean is whatever wrath does not work to the praise of God, God will extinguish it because it doesn't work his righteousness. You know, I just think about that in a practical way about Herod. Do you remember the story about Herod? He was having some kind of a political difficulty. And so he went to this area and he dressed himself up in, in full royal gear. And he goes out, and I mean, he nails it. He shucks the corn. He gives such a beautiful oration that the people said, This is not a man. This is a God. Do y'all know what happened to him? You talk about being extinguished. I mean, God put him out. God snuffed him out right there. So the angel of the Lord was standing by and he just struck him down with heartworms. Some kind of worms, his heart. He just struck him down because the Bible says because he didn't give the glory to God. Pretty amazing, isn't it? The wrath of man shall praise thee and the remainder thou shalt restrain. So, how do I apply this in my life? Well, as we said in the beginning, do not be a person given to sinful anger. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Also, you know, the Bible says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and then what? Slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Do not fear evil men or troubled times because God is in control. Well, hallelujah. To what faith can allow us to lay hold of, to strengthen us in the last days, in troubled times when the wrath of man seems to be raging so much. All right, so here's your challenge. Uh, to begin your study to begin read psalm 70 